2: You you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there.
1: Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone
3: calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. I know you got those thoughts sometimes. Nobody likes when you have thoughts, man. Just get in the way of not thinking, you know? So this is where you can get rid of those thoughts. Something crops up. You're trying to just zone out, not think about life, and all of a sudden you're thinking about, you know, A.J. Dillon pony package out of the backfield wheel route, blah, blah, blah. Just call in, man. Just get it off your chest. Um, Aaron Rodgers makes you convulse. Um, whatever it is, whatever it is, don't, don't live with that. You shouldn't have to live with that. So the Packernet call in helpline 608 uh, 501 We're here to help. Nate, what do you got for us, Mike?
4: Hey, Ryan, it's Nate. Yes, just it going is. Just in with a couple of takes. Um, one, I, I really think that we just need to stop, um, worrying about taking a wide receiver in the first round. Okay. I think that the Packers are really good at finding wide receiver talent, um later than the first round, so why would we burn a pick? Let's use that on something that we're not so good at dropping. Like we we haven't hit on that many offensive linemen and we need more. Like our offensive line sucked last year, so why don't we kind of focus a little bit more on that? You know? Um and then I I just I totally forgot what my second take was. That's so uh, embarrassing. So <laughs> I might call back. Go
1: back out. <laughs> he does, by the way. Um three three minutes later. Yeah, so again, I'm 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 pretty well out on that, but I, I agree, and I do think that's a good take. Not only because I'm not super high on taking the guys that are at or around fifteen, uh that is assuming some other guys aren't considered better than uh, what they are. I know there's some second round, late first ish round guys that might be flying up the boards. I don't know, I haven't been tracking that super closely, but um, of the top three, I'm very skeptical, but the good news is, I really think it's actually a pretty solid wide receiver class in general, it's just not necessarily top-heavy. I've heard nothing but glowing reviews about a lot of guys. Zay Flowers, I constantly am hearing about him. Rasheed Rice, I'm hearing a ton about. Um, Nate Dell, uh, who are uh, Puka Nakua. Just a whole bunch of guys throughout this draft Um that, again, you know, you look at, for example, there's a guy, I don't even know who he is. I think I looked at him once. I know his name sounds familiar. But anyways, A.T. Perry, he jumped up 65 spots on this consensus big board. Nate Dell, who I just mentioned, jumped up 17 spots. Most of these guys are senior bowl guys. This is why they jumped up. A.T. Perry is not. Xavier Hutchinson's jumping up. Parker Washington, Cedric Tillman. Um Even Jordan Addison went up a little bit, which is still surprising to me. But a few other names, Justin Shorter, he jumped up 124 spots. So he jumped up on some people's radar. Darius Davis from the Senior Bowl jumped up nearly 200 spots on the consensus board. So basically, the bottom line is he was basically irrelevant um, and is now on the radar. And that's going to continue to happen. I'm sure that'll happen plenty with the combine, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah, I think there's a, a good amount of options at wide receiver. We don't – again, I keep having to remind people the draft isn't just one round. Everybody gets so upset. How how could you not – This is, I mean, the media does this with the Packers and wide receivers. How could you not take a first-round wide receiver? We drafted three wide receivers, and two of them look really good. And still they're talking about they, they didn't take a first-round receiver. Like, dude, you're <laughs> so stupid. But as far as positions we haven't really hit on – um I'm a little bit more up on the offensive line and, and the job we've done there. I do want it upgraded massively, but I'm I'm kind of looking at tight end. I really like the idea, not necessarily top end, although I do like the guys at the top. Uh uh the uh geez I'm Darnell Washington and uh and Michael Mayer, but um I also don't mind the scatter shot approach. You know, maybe taking two in the early ish to mid. I hate to say like third and fifth kind of thing because third is basically a waste, but you get what I'm saying, kind of early-ish and late-ish, both of them kind of mid-ish, maybe even go three, you know? Kind of like we did wide receiver, go early, mid, and late. Dalton Kincaid, come back around to a Brenton Strange, seventh-round flyer on Jaleel Billingsley. I don't know. I'm just reading names. I have no idea who these people are, but something like that, you know? Especially since tight end is, is, you know, so many... Really good tight ends are like fourth, fifth round guys. It just feels like they're they're in there somewhere. It seems like a position you don't necessarily need to go early. You just need to, like offensive line, like we always do. Just keep taking swings at it. You'll get one eventually.
4: Hey, it's Nate, I got it. I got it. Uh-huh. I remember. Uh, my other take was about the possibility of taking Bijan Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have a feeling he's probably gonna you know be available to us at fifteen. Yes, um, but I I think that's too high. For him um, for the running back position Just in general Yep. So I think I'd be more open to it if we trade back Maybe to the late first And if he still is available in like You know maybe 20-ish range yeah. Late 20s Then I, I I think you could take him It's not that I don't think he's going to be good It's just that running backs are a dime a dozen um, And I, I think a lot of the people Who are hyping him up and valuing him so high Are thinking like fantasy Fantasy football running backs but that's not – we're talking real football
1: here. So, yeah, still pack-o. Yeah, I, I – I swear they just slide chairs around for fun. Um, I actually had that exact thought today. I'm I'm obsessed with B. John Robinson. The crazy thing is, and I swear – you ever have that moment where you, you remember something very specifically and you look it up and it's – extremely wrong, and you're like, dude, I swear it was different. Um, My thought today was that, you know, I really like Bijan, but you know who else I was really obsessed with was Christian McCaffrey. And I could swear he got drafted, like, 24th. Because I, I was all excited about, like, how right I was about Christian McCaffrey, and apparently he went 8th overall. Uh, So... That kind of messed up my whole thought process of, you know, he's great, but great running backs don't go that early. You know, so, some do, but most aren't really worth it. But um, yeah, that that kind of messed everything up. So now now I'm torn because <laughs> it's like I haven't been this juiced up about a running back since Christian McCaffrey and um, McCaffrey went eight. And I think just, despite the injuries, I still think he was worth the pick. But again, I, I can't get over the data aspect of this. You know, the 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 fact that if you really build a great offensive line, you'll run the ball well. And if you have a terrible offensive line, it doesn't matter. I mean, uh, the, the other running back that I was obsessed with was Saquon Barkley. He also went extremely early, and he is extremely talented, but they, he doesn't have the right offensive line slash system or whatever, you know. If Saquon went to San Francisco or whatever, it'd be a freaking freak show. So I want Bijan because I want great players. But ultimately, what I should want is for the Packers to be a great team. Generally, great players will get you there, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. So, um, again, I will do backflips if we get Bijan, but I, I genuinely think if we really want to run the ball well, invest in a couple offensive linemen like you just said in your last call, continue uh, running the ball with the guys we've got, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and there will be no issues. But, yeah, Bijan is is a do-everything guy. I mean, his... his elusiveness his power his receiving ability is just stupid i mean he you could just split him out and call him a wide receiver um yeah i'm i'm i like him but i don't hate that thought especially obviously if we trade back and get another pick say we trade back far enough and end up with a second round pick so we have two second round picks and we can still get Bijan. i mean are, are there better options probably in terms of helping the team overall but i you know plus it's tough i mean it, that that would have to be assuming Aaron Jones goes bye bye which i don't think is going to happen but i can't imagine we pay to keep Aaron Jones and we draft B. John Robinson and we have AJ Dillon what the heck are we going to do with these three running backs and i know we well you can you know have pony package and split one out or you know you rotate them so you can have two on the field and one off and i i mean last year we went into it saying our two best players were our two running backs now our three best players are going to be our three running backs I mean, I know Christian and whatnot, but more or less, it's a little silly. And I know Aaron Jones will be gone soon enough, and A.J. Dillon, nobody's massively impressed by, but it's still a weird thing. And, and it's another position where, as great as he is, you can find good running backs, You know, solid enough running backs, second round, third round, fourth round, no problem. Especially, again, if you've got the offensive line going. You get that jacked up, you get a fourth round running back that'll get the job done, no problem.
0: Hi, Ryan, and all my fellow Packer fans out there. Steve up in Alaska. How are we all doing? Doing good, man. Beautiful day up here after a couple of weeks of some snow, which is great because I do snow removal and I need to make some money. And yes, sir. I got to make some money. And it's always awesome. Um, but I'm calling, you know, I got a, I got a question. I don't know if anybody else is, is wondering or has wondered about this. Um, our coach and our general manager. Now, Gugunst and LaFleur, not, uh, try to nitpick. We've all had discussions individually about him, about who, you know, what we think about him as individuals. But let's let's consider that, you know, Kuntz's draft record has been solid. You know, I'm not going to go as far as saying outstanding, but it's been very solid. Um, and LaFleur, you know, if you just look at his record, you got to say he's a good head coach. I think as a, at least as a regular season head coach, which There are differences, you know, if you look at like Peyton Manning, you know, great regular season, but he wasn't always so great in the postseason, so maybe that's what we got with Lafleur, which kind of sucks, but, you know, that could be worked on. All it takes is one good run to the playoffs, but my my thought here, to get back to my point, is what if they're not a good combination together? Each one of them individually is high-level talent at what they're doing, but as a tandem, they're not so good. Um, and what I mean by that is maybe Goon's is going out and drafting quality, talented players, but they're not really the type of players that LaFour wants to have for his system. Um, and I know what people say, hey, you're the head coach, you've got to make adjustments to the players and the talent you have to use and the what, but there's lines to that. There's only so much of that that a head coach can do where these guys just don't do what I need them to do. At I least mean, not in the way I need them to do them. And maybe that's a problem that we have with, with some of who we got around there. Because LeFleur, as I understand, is a guy that hires all his assistant coaches. So if he's hiring assistant coaches that he wants to do one task, but Gutenkunz is, you know, are training up guys to a certain degree in one task, and Koontz is, you know, drafting guys who don't have that specific skill set, that, that could be a problem. Um, let me know what you think about that. I'm going to continue on with my walk out here, head back home, going to play some poker tonight with some of the boys. You all have yourselves a good one, right? Bye.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously I can't speak to whether or not that is the issue, but I think theoretically it makes sense. I've, I've, for example, we've talked about how um, sometimes GMs trust their coaches and they go out and get the developmental guys or whatever. um, And maybe that's, the wrong thing if the coaches aren't necessarily great at the developmental side of things, right? They're good at, you know, give me good players and I'll I'll make this ship go, but don't ask me to develop them. And you could have guys that are really good at developing, but not so much the other side, whatever. Um, also, the other thing that came to mind is how surprised I was at how little input coaches seem to have in the draft and drafting side of things. And and maybe it's just the way GMs make it seem because they want to be like, no, 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 this is my thing. You know, the coaches and the players, they don't have anything to do with this. And really there is a lot of input, but that is, it does seem odd to me because it feels like there needs to be a lot of cohesion, right? The GM basically is rudderless without information on what we need. I, I need detailed information about what it is you need for this team and then I'll go out and find it is is the way that I thought it was. But it seems to me that it tends to be more I'm going to go find talent. I'm going to go find guys that are great football players, and you're going to make it work. And and again, obviously, there's there's some back and forth in terms of scheme and all those kinds of things to make sure that they're looking in the right direction. But I, I've always been surprised, at least in the way that guys like to make it come across when he's asked the question. It always seems very much like he wants to dismiss the idea that Lafleur has impact. Like we'll we'll have a meeting. You know, I'll I'll have a couple meetings with the guys to kind of, you know, get a little bit of an understanding of some things. And then after that, it's me. I do it. We do it as a staff. We're the scouting guys. We're the drafting guys. We're the ones that do this. He can go stick it. And so yeah, there can be some incompatibility. And I know the coaches are in there and I've heard stories about coaches screaming and, and banging the table for players and whatnot. And again, supposedly uh Jordan Love was a Matt LaFleur guy. Um, so it seemed to be a lot of collaboration there. Obviously, Gudekun's had to have given the green light in terms of his own evaluation, but I, I guess what I'm saying is I absolutely can see that being an issue in theory, and maybe maybe that is the case. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't exactly know where I would begin to sort of evaluate or question whether or not this specific pairing isn't great. But I guess if anybody has any theories specifically on how these two are incompatible it would be interesting to kind of explore the topic
0: hey ryan steve again hey yeah i just got done listening to, uh, to chris's rant and you know it, i got a 2 party here all right um but i'm with them I, I think it's just ridiculous to hear some of these guys and the way they talk one way and then as soon as Rogers is available they start talking another way but you know they do it in all kinds of ways if uh you listen the first things first Nick Wright's been talking about how, you know, Rodgers has failed, you know, the Packers have failed, particularly Rodgers, though. He's failed to get himself anywhere. You know, he's lost in all these NFC championships, you know, in, in the four NFC champ three NFC championships of the games, only gotten to one Super Bowl. I'm trying to talk faster because it's three minutes. Uh, but then he talks about Mahomes. And he puts up a list of Mahomes, and it's made NFC Championship games. Yeah. Did these things. Didn't get past, but got so far, right. and it's made. Look at its accomplishment. You know, you make it to an AFC Championship game, it's like going to a Final Four in college basketball. Well, that should apply to Rodgers, and if that applies to Rodgers, he's been to four Final Fours, and that should be pretty good because not many quarterbacks make it to NFC Championship right. games to begin with. Four. So I don't, I, you know, you listen to these guys talking. Man, I don't think they listen to themselves. I think they just spew stuff out and never, ever think about what they said. Uh, The second thing is the whole trade Rodgers to the Cowboys. Number one, that's just get out of here to the Cowboys. (laughs) Like, what are we going to get from the Cowboys? But number two, why would he go back to being with McCarthy? The last three years he was with McCarthy, he did nothing but trash talking and made him look like a fool. Throwing balls out of bounds because he just didn't like the place. Why would he go back to play for the guy that's head coach? You know, you listen to Skip Bayless, and, you know, they, they, he in his commercials, they call him Skip the Drip. I, I think that has to do with something that he's putting up his nose because, not to, not to make you feel bad, or I know you're not supposed to say stuff like that in the show, but why would you call yourself the Drip? I don't know anybody anywhere out there who knows anything about drugs and says somebody's a Drip and they don't know what they're talking about. So, <laughs> the guy's just crazy. The old man dressing like he's 18 years old, and he has no idea what he's talking about. I don't even listen to his show anymore because it's so damn ridiculous. But, yeah, you know, Rodgers ain't going back to McCarthy. There's just no way he's going back to McCarthy, you know. And, and the other part of it, like I said, these guys just they, they make up the look and, and move the goalposts to fit whatever narrative they want to have it be, even though they're talking about the, pretty much the exact same things. You know. But all right, man, take it easy. We'll probably talk to you again later after I listen to some more of your shows.
1: Yeah, the McCarthy thing is, is very odd. Um, obviously, it's hard to know how much of the reports are true, but it, it's hard to imagine that it's completely untrue, The, the some of the things that were said about Rodgers and the, the comments he made about McCarthy and the, the smart remarks and everything else. But the really interesting thing is we heard Rodgers talk about, after playing the 49ers, how much he respected that scheme, right? And then we get a guy from the Shanahan tree, and what does he do? He laments how much he misses the old system under McCarthy. And yeah, I mean, we we talk about all the the tension between he and LaFleur, but remember, the first time he was caught on camera saying, stupid effing play, screaming at his head coach, he was talking to McCarthy. So it's definitely not a new thing with him just being angry and and wanting things to be different. Again, he he talks glowingly about how much he loves the scheme and all this stuff, but it was clearly failing in a in a extreme kind of a way, Rodgers was unhappy, he didn't like it, he wanted something else, he got something else, and now all he wants to do is talk about how great the old one was. It's like, come on, man. It's just, it's it's kind of... Uh, I mean, I, it, honestly, the thing that comes to mind is just disrespectful, the way he treats people, you know? I mean, I, I, I get that you think you're smarter than everybody, but I don't like that it's this attitude of, you know, I know better. Like this this scheme is is cute and all, but it's kind of stupid. Like Matt LaFleur has dedicated his life to learning how the, to operate this system. And it is a very, very high level, incredible system. And he implements it and he teaches it and everything else. And Roger's like, mm, yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of cute and all, but you know, back what I used to do, that, that was a real system. That was a man system. It's just it's just disrespectful. And again, he, he the, the one he's he's bragging about, he was trashing on. When we had McCarthy. So, you know, and he's talking openly about how much he, he he admires what the other guys are doing. Well, how disrespectful is that to McCarthy? So, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I get on one hand it's just talking, but I feel like he does that sometimes. He just has this sort of condescending, disrespectful tone. Um, and it's, it's funny, too, when you talk about how Rogers is um, – He talked about how, you know, if you want to be a a player's coach, if you want to be a good head coach, you need to be respected. And um, I'm sure he's one of those guys that says, well, respect is earned, which is to say, I don't have to respect you until you do something to make me respect you. But I kind of think that that's BS. I think as the leader of the team, you need to demonstrate a pattern that says you will respect the head coach and any disrespect I will not tolerate. It's it's a it's a respect for his position, and for you to disregard him and disrespect him in any kind of way signals to the team that it's okay to disrespect him because Matt Lafleur apparently has not done enough to prove that that he's earned that position. I was flipping through Twitter the other day, and um, there was some like Twitter fight channel or whatever, and um, some guy was talking about his mom older guy i mean he he was like a looked like a grown adult 24 years old or something but um he started off being respectful to his mom and his mom told him to go home i think he was drinking a little bit too much and he essentially said something like f you you go home and some guy some stranger comes out of nowhere and knocks him out cold and just starts beating him on the ground and says that's your mother you'd respect your mother that's what i'm talking about that lady didn't do anything to that guy that punched him to make him earn that, to make her, she didn't earn that respect. You respect the title. This is your mother. I don't care. I don't want to hear a single thing about it. I don't need to know anything about this lady other than she is your mother. And you watch your mouth and you respect your mother. And that's the kind of thing that Aaron Rodgers needs to have. I'm not talking about him trying to lay out, you know, uh, Devontae Wyatt. I don't think it's going to work. But you need to have that. Attitude. You teach these guys when they come in, there's a level of respect that you have. I'm I'm sure he commands that for himself. You watch how you talk to the veterans and everything else. Well, Rodgers, you need to watch how you talk to the coaches. You need to have a level of respect for them and you need to demonstrate that to everybody else. And this whole like backbitey, and he did the same thing to Gudekunst for years. And now they have somewhat of a better relationship. Now that Gutfeld has grovelled for 365 days straight and given him a contract that cripples the Green Bay Packers, now all of a sudden they're buddy buddy. But he was fine talking trash about the team, talking trash about the GM, and all. The... It's just it's not a good thing. All his little sideways comments. It again it demonstrates and it it creates this sort of us versus them mentality within the locker room, and we wonder why there's like this weird. Thing where, like, they can't come together. You know, we got this coach trying to rally the team and it's not working. I wonder why. I mean, somebody's got to demonstrate this. Somebody's got to get behind the coach and say, Hey, shut your mouth. Coach is talking. You got to, I don't know. And if that's happening in the locker room, but then you go on Pat McAfee's show and make little sideways comments, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. There needs to be a level of decorum and respect for his position. That's my thought on that.
3: Hey, this is uh, Deco. So, yeah, you know, uh, I got to say, I don't know if anyone's really triumphed Jordan Love. You just met him and listened to your podcast after work. Mm -hmm. Actually, during. Um, But, no, I I will, if no one else has, I'm sure you'll get a couple phone calls like this, but I think he's going to be good. Um, I think, yeah, it's it's, yeah, I remember not thinking Rodgers was going to be any good. Um, really wasn't until that Dallas game he came in. But uh, Love's, I think, start was even a little more weird because the first year was COVID, they didn't do nothing. Second year he was hurt, so no preseason, no live action. You know, um, even that Chiefs game, he did a couple things that I thought was good. You know, the infamous Chiefs game where he played the whole one. Uh, one, I think he got a little better as the game progressed, which to me shows... The ability to adapt, learn. There's one play in particular I remember where he. It looked like the offensive line just was a turnstile, and as he took three steps back, the defense of line was just on him. He didn't try to hero ball it. He didn't try to spin out and show everybody his talents and abilities. He just dumped that thing in the dirt fast, which to me again shows the maturity because um, he knows he can live and play another another down, um, and quick. You know, uh, making uh, quick decisions, and then of course this year the, you know, against the Eagles he came out like you said you played the clip with Slay I've heard that already and it, yeah it, that to me that cares a lot of weight because they were licking the chops New guys coming in they know he ain't got no playing time and he to- really tore him up I know end of the game I did, like you said they weren't doing no prevent he he tore him up so uh, would have liked to seen him coming earlier you know. That's my one argument. If Rodgers would have just come out when he heard his thumb and Love played them six games, I don't think we would have lost them all. I think that would have changed. Rodgers could have come back in six weeks with a 100% thumb, healthy, and we could be singing a different song right now. Anyways, uh, and then I think he came in against uh, with the Jets. Not, you know, just had a couple plays. It's kind of garbage time. But uh, the few things he did, once again, to me, showed quick thinking, quick ball release. So I think under... Yeah. This is really the perfect system for him. And I've said this before. I think he will probably maybe LeFleur would look like a better coach with, with love. So I think love's gonna be good. Is it gonna be Hall of Fame good? I don't know about that. Um I think he has the abilities and the system to make him a top ten dude. So let's see if anyone else can tolerate that. besides go Pekka.
1: Yeah, I, I uh I genuinely think he could be a Jalen Hurts type guy. And and I don't necessarily mean he's going to be the same as Jalen Hurts, but I think if we can get him a good offensive line and some weapons, I think he's going to be a really efficient quarterback. That's what he looked like against the Eagles to me. He looked like a guy that knew exactly where the where the ball was supposed to go, went through his progressions, hit the open guy, and just boom, 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 boom. It was nothing fancy. It's not checks. It's not, hey, watch out for this. It's not, let's change this route, do this. It was simple. And I think it made it simpler for the wide receivers too. And granted, you know Rodgers is a smart guy and he's going to change some stuff, but it just it it wasn't complicated. Everything was simple, everything was smooth. It was a well-oiled machine. You got to have protection, you got to have guys that can get open, but as long as you got that, you got Matt LaFleur calling the right plays, this offense is moving. And um I think it could be that. And you know, again, add an offensive lineman and a and a solid tight end, I don't see why we couldn't uh couldn't make this thing a legit operation. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited about it, although I do think Aaron Rodgers is coming back. I, I'm I'm drifting, um I'm starting to drift a little bit. I don't I don't even know if I'm at thirty three percent for Rodgers coming back anymore. It used to be like fifty one percent that he's gonna be a Packer. And then it was like, well let's just do thirty three and a third all the way across the three options, you know, trade, come back to the Packers and retire. Now it's like, I don't know, ten percent retire. And I, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm buying too much into the stupid rumors that are obviously nonsense, but Sam Barrington thing kind of got me a little bit. Here, here, here's the thing with that, and I know this isn't your question. Sam Barrington said he had a source that told him to expect Rodgers to go to the Raiders or something like that. doesn't matter. We have to assume that that source is Devante. But Devontae also said he's a first-class troll and not to take anything he tweets Seriously. Fair enough, but would you lie to Sam Barrington as a joke? Or maybe get him in on the joke? But that seems like a stretch. To be like, hey, Sam, just say you had a source that said he's going here or whatever, it'll be funny. It's one thing for Devontae to kind of do this stupid stuff, and and I never took that super seriously. But the Barrington thing, that's kind of like, I don't want to say crossing a line, but we're kind of getting into like, all right, that's a little... It's a little douchey to be like, yeah, I got a legit inside source and this is happening. Hi, <laughs> April Fool's gotcha. Like that's that's kind of messed up, dude. I believed in you. But anyways, about Jordan Love. No, I I um and I know there's gonna be hiccups, and that's that's kind of the down that's gonna be the worst part about this, is the the fighting amongst Packer fans, assuming let's just assume Jordan Love plays, is not gonna stop. And in fact, it's probably gonna be a lot worse. Jordan Love gets a touchdown and it's pulling receipts in your face. But every interception, every tipped pass, every errant throw, every time he you know doesn't throw to an open guy, it's going to be, well, it's everything that you see with Aaron Rodgers just from the other side. <laughs> and the bad part about that is if he's not Aaron Rodgers level to where it's just undeniable that he's a great quarterback, if he ends up being decent, there will be a cabal of people that will just not stop and say, we need to move on. He's not good enough. He's trash. He's the reason we can't get there. Blah, 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 blah. And it will not stop. So I guess my request is if he takes over, he needs to either be straight garbage or really, really good. I guess he doesn't need to be, he could just be good enough, but it's just going to be annoying hearing the whining and complaining. Anyways, um, only got four more calls left. So why don't we go ahead and take a break right here? Um, If you want to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can do so for as little as $1 a month. It would be greatly appreciated. I am very much behind, but I've been uh, very, very busy lately gathering a lot of NFL draft content. So every day I kind of pick like one project that I can work on. And um, one of these days I need to get back around to my project being a Patreon thing. And I will, but I only have time for one big thing a day on top of the podcast. Patreon isn't your thing and you'd rather do a one-time gift, you can do so at uh, Venmo, Packernet Podcast. Also, please consider giving to Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. You can find more about them at FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get ten percent off your first purchase by going to arenaclub slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer! Ten percent off a four hundred dollars slab pack—that's forty bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub dot com slash packdaddy for ten percent off your first purchase. Hey, hey Ryan, this is well,
5: this is Six Pack Daddy hey i i I apologize I've not um called in a while the The season was really traumatic for me I understand um i I was watching a lot of the games from uh, like behind my sofa um kind of scared' because it just felt like my parents were fighting and <laughs> I didn't like what I was seeing yeah. um, but i'm I'm sorry because I'm emotional about this um I did want to call because we're heading into Super Bowl. And I just was thinking, like, how there's, like, two, two big draft days. There's, like, two days in Packer history. I'm 51 years old, so I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of football. Um, there's two big days that have.
1: I miss six-pack daddy, man. <laughs> I love doing this podcast. Oh, man. Please keep calling back.
5: really helped us helped the packers one was when Aaron Rodgers was drafted and the vikings passed on him twice two times yeah and, like imagine that so okay so the vikings don't get Aaron Rodgers and then here comes here comes the chiefs with this crazy great quarterback that the bears could have had yep and I just, like, I just, I, it, feel, it feels like really, I'm sorry. I'm, it's hard for me to get through this, but it feels like we were on the razor's edge. And it sort of, like, it makes me think about my life and just, like, life choices. Right. But the, the Bears didn't get him. They did not get him. And so if, it's just a crazy thing that we're going to watch. And, oh, my God, it's not the Bears in the Super Bowl. I don't know. I I guess I'm just having a moment, but good to talk to you. Got to go. Bye.
1: Well, I did miss you, Six Pack Daddy, and I appreciate you calling. Um, Yeah, I mean, it it really just speaks to how much those teams suck. Um, And it's just been pure joy to watch them consistently swing and miss and um, not be able to get their guy, especially the Bears, obviously. But yeah, the Vikings are stuck in purgatory with Kirk Cousins until they eventually decide to move on, which they never will because they keep giving him these massive one-year fully guaranteed contracts. Um, so they'll be stuck with him until he's 95 years old and um, decides he doesn't like collecting massive paychecks anymore. And uh, the Bears, yeah, they're stuck with this guy, Justin Fields, for a few more years until they finally admit that he's not very good. They're going to miss their window. Yeah. Um, to be able to get a good quarterback, like, oh, I don't know, when you have a first overall pick in the draft and stuff. And then Detroit, uh, they've they've also been cursed with that sort of Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford thing where you got this guy, and um, he actually was one of the bright spots on your team, and he does a good job. Problem is he's freaking Jared Goff, so they're not going to replace him. Um, So, yeah. And then when they do, they fail because they're just not good at it. So – it's been it's been fun. It's been a it's been a great time.
4: Ryan, Chris from Sun Prairie calling. What's up, man? Got a question about the um, Eagles and the 49ers. Okay, uh, makes sense. Do they have a lot of players that really outperformed relative to their salary cap? Um, hmm. Maybe in terms of PFF versus twenty twenty two cap hit. And uh, is the bill going to be coming due for either of these teams? Do they have to uh, open up their wallet? To compensate any uh, overperformance for great seasons, people that maybe haven't been locked up to a second deal yet. Uh, just curious, if um, maybe that'll level the playing field a little bit in the in the NFC. Thanks, Ryan. See ya.
1: Well, certainly we know Jalen Hurts um, over the cap has this thing. Uh, it's called dollar per rating. It's essentially looking at how much money it costs per goodness and actually the lowest dollar amount here is Gardner Minshew who's for the Eagles but Jalen Hurts is also very high on this list 14840 If you look at dollars per touchdown Jalen Hurts is the cheapest at $68,468 per touchdown looking at quarterbacks. If you look at another table they have NFL player valuation um, this is looking at PFF data comparatively to their um, how much they made. Um, Joe Burrow was actually the number one, followed closely by Jalen Hurts. Value over cash, meaning how much value you provided minus how much you cost. Jalen Hurts gave the Eagles $34 million of value more than what he um, cost the team. Another guy on their team is Devonte Smith, really talented wide receiver um, that's on his rookie deal. A.J. Brown, surprisingly, despite the fact that it was a larger acquisition, provided almost $11 million of value over. Uh, Jason Kelsey, $9 million. Landon Dickerson, $8 million over. The Chiefs didn't have anybody massive, but they got a couple guys here kind of in the middle. Creed Humphrey's a big one, $11 million. Legereus Sneed, about $11 million. Nick Bolton, about $11 million. They're all basically right next to each other. They even have Pat Mahomes here at about 7 million over. For reference, the Green Bay Packers highest was Josh Myers, and he was at 6.7 million, just for context. Zach Tom, about six million, John Runyon, about five point seven. Then you got Quay Walker at five, Elton Jenkins at about five, Razul Douglas at four and a half, Dylan at four point three, Christian Watson at three point eight. Um Jeez, then there's basically nobody. Kingsley and Igbaray at about a little under two million. Romeo one point eight. So we didn't have a ton. I think I looked at this already, but Aaron Rodgers they have as the uh, second worst value in the entire NFL behind only Deshaun Watson. They have Watson providing about four point six million dollars in value. So yeah, I mean when you look at it from that standpoint, be, be, you know because I've 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 talked about it before. You've got the salary cap and you want to maximize it. And what you want to do is you, you want to spend a dollar and get $10 worth of uh, a $10 item for a dollar. You know, you want your net worth to be as high as is humanly possible. It's like when I used to go flipping for eBay and stuff. It's all about just finding that $10 item you can get for a buck. And if you got a bunch of 50 cent items that you're paying a dollar for and some other team has $5 items they're paying a dollar for, they're going to have better stuff. At the end of the day, they're going to put out a team that's. You know, worth two hundred bucks and you're putting out a team worth twenty bucks. You know, they had David Bakhtiari at negative nine point two million, Kenny Clark, negative seven, Rashawn Gary, obviously with the injury and whatnot, but negative six and a half, Savage negative six. So yeah. Maximizing talent, minimizing expenses would be ideal.
6: There I am Dan Dominy. Um so yeah, I'm gonna go on the record and say I was one of those guys. Who really believed in Jordan Love even before the Packers drafted him? Nice. Um, I don't know if you guys remember back, like before the draft, where, I don't know, Paul and Calvert actually made a, I thought it was a decent video, where he kind of like, explained how the Packers can do a smart thing by going to get a quarterback, and he thinks the best one for, for the Packers was Jordan Love. Who is this? And after that video, I did a lot of, I mean, Film, I guess. No, just watching like highlights of both his junior and senior year, and I I, I fell in love with the guy. Like the mistakes, so be. It. Like, as you can see, changing co- your your coaching from year to year can have a major effect. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers for example. Major major effect. Um, but yeah, so I'm gonna go on the record and say I've always loved Jordan Love. I think he's gonna be the future of the Packers and. Um, like people can say what they want about the Kansas City game. Like that he played super well considering what he was going up against. Like I I fell in love with him even more that game. Like the fact that he did that to the Eagles this year, phenomenal. I was over the moon. But um, yeah. So that's my that's my take on Jordan Love. But then second thing, going into the conspiracies and everything like that, I mean, the Packers, they have to trade Rodgers. I mean, they they just have to. Now, my question to you is, I don't know if you've mentioned this already, but what is, like, the quote-unquote value for Rodgers, like, according to your kind of databases that you look at? And then also, what do you think we could realistically get for Rodgers? Like, I mean... Not realistically, but what do you think we can get for Rodgers when all this dust settles, like based on the teams that are left everything like that? So what do you think his true value is? And then what do you think the Packers are actually going to be getting for him when all this is said and done? All
3: right,
1: thanks. Bye. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I talked about it. I don't know if it's today, yesterday, what, but um, I think what it comes down to for me is what makes the most sense is there should be a conditional – uh deal and it's going to be based on how long he plays um and probably based on performance as well and so if he wins mvp and then he plays next year it turns into a really you know it's another first round pick or something um if he plays one year and he's a mediocre quarterback it's like a second round pick or something for next year or whatever i i i don't know um the, the the biggest thing, though, is although that makes sense, you know, we're again talking about a conditional pick. The question is, how crazy is it going to get now? It's starting to sound crazy, but obviously the media wants it to sound crazy. You know, there's all the hype from the Raiders who might not have any interest whatsoever. We know the Jets are interested, but that might be the only player in town. And if they are, then they don't have to go crazy. I don't think it's impossible that two first round picks are on the table. I also don't think it would be impossible if they're talking about a second round conditional pick. And everybody's going to freak out, but the the point is that's fine because if you genuinely believe that he's a great player that's worth 60 million dollars, which is what what it's going to cost us to acquire him, then that's not an issue because it's conditional, which means it's going to be more than a second round pick assuming he plays at a high level and, you know, maybe gives us another year or something. I don't exactly know how the conditions would work, but for everybody that would freak out, like, oh, he's definitely worth more than that, well, then you don't have to worry about it because he will perform at a high level and you will get a better pick. But if that doesn't happen, if he's a mediocre quarterback and then retires, then next year, because again, I think it's entirely possible we don't get any picks for him this year. If he gets traded, it'll be next year. Next year's pick for him will be a second round pick and that's it. I mean, think complete, being completely honest, If you told me you had to pay $60 million for the 2022 version of Aaron Rodgers for one year, I wouldn't give you a seventh round pick for him. That's the dumbest thing ever. Who wants a top 15 quarterback for one year, and I got to spend three years paying off a $60 million debt? What freaking absolute moron would actually make that trade? But that's the point. That's what we're banking on. Desperate morons. Who are going to spend sixty million dollars in hopes that Aaron Rodgers will come back to MVP form, and in that one year, they will go on to win a Super Bowl? And who knows, maybe we even have him come back for a second year. Maybe. I think it's stupid. I wouldn't do the deal, but that's what we're hoping for. We got our fingers crossed for stupid, and and the the more stupid, the better. All right, let's do one more. We got uh, Trevor in Virginia.
2: Hey Ryan, I was listening. You were saying, you know. I don't know if anybody's been just like always optimistic about Jordan Love. Um, I have been. I mean, I I always think the Packers would not have took him there without strong consideration in the draft a few years back. And then honestly, I just I like that he has sat behind Rodgers. Um, yeah. I've always thought it's very weird that teams draft a player and then immediately thrust them in as the QB. Which I get it. You got to get the game reps to actually. Learn and grow and all that and I, I get all that. But also I don't know, I mean the like the QB is like your CEO out there. Like he's running everything. There's so much to do and it's often drastically different from uh from what you're doing in college. And I I mean it's not exactly the same, but it's like if a company where were like, Hey, we're gonna take this new college hire and uh, we're gonna make him our new CEO and it's like, Wait, what? You're gonna do what now? It's like, no, you you gotta groom groom him first, you gotta get him ready for the role. And maybe it doesn't take three years every time, but just I feel like quarterbacks are set up to fail a lot of the time, being thrust in so soon and then you know getting rattled early. And it's just like you need to let them. Uh, sorry, there's a fire truck coming towards him. Um, anyway, you need to let them grow. You know, let them get let them learn things before they get, because it's not it's not just making all the throws. That's the I love it when they say on the TV, oh, they can make all the throws. Yeah, no. Shit. They they didn't get drafted if they couldn't make all the throws. So I don't want to hear that. That's not what, it, that's not what being a good quarterback style. You got you gotta know the system, you gotta know, you know, the right choices to make. And it, it's it's much more mental than that. So um I am very excited about Jordan Love. I'll be very disappointed at this point if Rodgers is our quarterback again. Uh but it is what it is. So anyway, go Paco.
1: Yeah, and I think that's an important point that I keep trying to illustrate. Everybody gets hung up on, you know, going back to his college days and some of the bad throws or you know, look at what he did in his first year or look at how he looked in his second year, you know, g- constantly going back in the past. And the, again, the whole point is, and I understand the skepticism and I understand the concern about you know, he's had these problems and, you know, until he shows me something, I'm I'm skeptical because I'm scared. Like he scared me with how shaky he looked. But we're talking about a developmental guy in year three. So the question isn't how did he look in college? The question isn't, how is his footwork in his first training camp coming out of college? The question is, how good of a quarterback can he be running Matt LaFleur's system after three years? Three full years, not not playing full years, but three full years studying the system, understanding the language, all of that stuff, right? The the actual game time stuff is going to have to come, you know, as he actually has time to do that. But can he operate the system? Does he understand it? Is he ready to go? And so, when I look at this year, um, I I generally have more optimism than pessimism. And, and again, I fully expect it to be rocky. I think there's going to be some young person mistakes. Um, but I, I I I really just want to see it. You know what I mean? And if it doesn't work out, fine. You know, I'm I'm okay with looking. To the future in a different direction. But I just want to see it. I mean, it's been such a long time and we've been dancing with this thing. You know, R- Rogers, it's like, I made peace with him leaving like five years ago when it was like, I can't imagine life without the guy. And now it's like, every year now, it's it's like, okay, I've made peace with it. I'm ready. But um, anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. Um, I unfortunately don't think I'm going to be able to get a podcast out for tomorrow. So uh, mock draft Monday will be have to be pushed to Tuesday, I guess. But you guys have yourselves a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.